The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 28th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Matthew writes, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, dear saints, today's Old Testament reading from Genesis 1 shows us the triune God at work. At work in the creation of our world. The spirit of God is named as hovering over the waters. Creation comes about by God speaking it into existence. For us, with the benefit of the New Testament, we know that in John's gospel, that it tells us that the word became flesh and it dwelt among us. It's a clear reference to Jesus and that through him all things were made. So Jesus is also at the work in Genesis in that creation account, even though he is not named there. In our Genesis reading, the triune God creates the universe, culminating with the creation of all humanity. Human beings have the incredible dignity, honor, security, purpose, and value of being created in the image and likeness of God. The ultimate purpose God created humanity for, well, it was relationship. Yes, to be in relationship with one another but ultimately to be in relationship daily, personal relationship with him, God, receiving his many blessings. And it is only in today's gospel text that Jesus himself gives us a clear name for the one God as three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In our gospel text for today, we have the last of Jesus's appearance after his resurrection. The risen Jesus, he speaks to his disciples saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. The assurance of this text is that, well, Jesus has all authority, even authority over death, the wages of our sin. Jesus, he triumphed over the grave for us to free us from eternal separation from God and to restore us to the relationship God originally intended all people to have with him. Just as all three persons of the one God shared in the work of creation, so too all three persons of that one God participate in our salvation. We see that with the word name. Being connected with each member of the Trinity, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You see, the triune God desires to save all people, making disciples, followers, of Jesus from all nations. And each person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, actively participate in that universal goal, that mission. This relationship with God happens through the trusting of Jesus' word and following him, trusting in him, in the life, death, Resurrection and ascension of Jesus and his perfect fulfillment of the law for you, for us, and for our righteousness. This is the promise that the gospel brings to us. Now, in baptism, the Holy Spirit, it comes to us and it gives us the faith to do what is humanly impossible for us humans to do in our own strength, to trust in Christ, the Lord of all, as our crucified and risen Savior. But in our text, Jesus, he talks about discipleship. Jesus doesn't strictly talk about baptism as a standalone matter. No, his focus is on that of making disciples. People who follow him by trusting in his words of life throughout their own lives. Yes, we might be good at focusing on baptism and all those gifts that God gives us in our baptism. But here, Jesus, he shows us that baptism, well, it's the beginning of being a disciple. The rest of the journey is teaching and therefore learning of the faith. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And just like a wedding day, That day is the first 
part of a marriage. God's ideal of two people living together with his blessing for the rest of their lives. So too, baptism is the beginning of the rest of our life together with God. Being nurtured by his word. But many couples that marry focus on that special wedding day to the exclusion of the marriage. They've thought about what the rest of the life together means, but they really haven't prepared for it. And I wonder, too, if there's a similar situation with our discipleship. Do we focus on baptism and perhaps confirmation in isolation from lifelong learning of the faith? And the maturing that we grow in it. But Jesus, he says that baptism is a part, not the whole. You see, he commands, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teach them everything I have commanded you. Teaching everything Jesus commanded us is huge. And it's a lifelong exercise. And we can never reach a point where we learn everything that there is to know about God and who we are as his people and the mission and ministry that he calls us to. Baptism is only our first step. And to focus on baptism without lifelong teaching is to have a distinction that Jesus never intended. You see, the two, they go together. We baptize children and we Baptizes adults. We teach children the faith after they are baptized. And those who have come to faith as adults are confirmed in their Christian faith, which leads to and desires a baptism. Baptism, faith, and teaching always go together. In the creation of the world, God, he blesses humankind and he gives them the mandate to rule over earth and to subdue it. He calls them to be his vice agents as his representatives in preserving and sustaining his creation. Here in our text from Matthew, God also commissions his creation. And he commissions us to be his partners for the purpose of the redemption of his creation, baptizing sinners and teaching them the scriptures to reconcile broken people to a relationship with God and to nurture them in faith as they mature to be more like Christ. Just as creation came into existence through God speaking, so too the church, it comes to existence through God speaking. God saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. As mom and dad and 
a godparent. They hold this precious child over the font. God is there speaking and shaping his baptized people into disciples, followers of Jesus and his word. As parents and Bible study leaders, people who read the Sunday texts here at the lectern, and when the pastor preaches and leads the liturgy, God is speaking to us. And he is shaping his baptized people into disciples. You see, what Jesus gives in our text is often called the Great Commission. What it is not is the Great Suggestion or the Great Omission. Often there is a disconnect between baptism and teaching and a confusion over whose role that may be. And that is where I think there's a problem. That we think of church in terms of, well, a building rather than people. So discipleship happens in the church building on Sunday and not through the week at home. Discipleship should really begin in the home. When parents bring their children for baptism, they are asked to promise if they will teach their children the Lord's Prayer, the Creed, the Ten Commandments, if they will remind their children of their baptism and just what it means and bring them to the services of God's house. You know, the church, it can be pretty good at pointing out and judging those who, for whatever reason, fail to do that. But we need to realize that none of us, none of us, do it perfectly. For those whose absence from the divine service we lament, we need to consider What have we actually done to encourage them to join us in the divine service and help them feel welcome here? How have we helped them as the family of God to see the urgency of what they have promised? And as Christ's church, we need to help them find a place in their hearts for the word of the Lord. And the holy things that he serves us as a church. Now most churches are struggling with declining numbers. As they try to combat corruption of society lost in affluence and materialism. And a non-prioritized spirituality. With many other things vying for attention on any given Sunday. Most churches struggle at not just bringing in the younger generation and keeping them connected, but all generations at that. If the parents aren't coming to church, well, their children aren't coming either. In our gospel reading, 
Jesus did not say, wait for more disciples. Or lament that disciples aren't showing up. He said, go. Go and make disciples as Christians. We are called to bear witness, to testify to the hope that we have in our Christ. And to tell people about that Jesus. To make disciples by discipling. And this is a daunting task. And many of us fear failing. Not knowing where to start. Parents and church-like retreat and the Great Commission does become the great omission. But take heart and listen closely. None of this do this in our own strength nor authority, but by the grace of Jesus, knowing his word is a starting place. As we read and we study, Jesus comes and he guides us and he grows us on our own discipleship journey. So soak up his word. For Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And surely... I am with you until the end of age. We who are baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit are brought into that very life and presence of God. We have God as our Father. We are united to Christ and his death and his resurrection, and we receive all the benefits that it has to offer through his means of grace. At the font and through his word, we receive the life-giving, life-sustaining presence of the Spirit who leads us to trust in Jesus so that we can have access to God as our Father, as his sons and as his daughters, And have a family relationship of permanency with our God. Enjoying the privileges that a child has with their father. And as parents, I ask you if there were two people outside your house. Knocking on your door, wanting to come in. One is your son or your daughter. And the other a person, a stranger that you never met. Which one will you let in? And give family privileges too. Certainly your son or your daughter. Of course. And that there is the reality that God brought about for you. From the cross. We confess that the triune God is truly with us. Each divine service. By using his name at the beginning of the service. And when we hear the invocation. 
you are reminded that you come into the presence of the triune God as his forgiven, redeemed, holy and precious child. Only by virtue of his grace given to you in your baptism. That is the basis of our faith. As followers, as disciples of Jesus. God's love. His love, which will lead us to freely sacrifice more and more of the self and follow him as disciples in joy. The triune God does not disregard us when we don't measure up to what he has called us to. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in perfect communion of love has brought you into his life, drawing you deeper into his unconditional love so that through Jesus, no matter where you are on your discipleship journey, no matter what your failings have been, no matter what fears or doubts you may have, no matter how much your faith flickers, no matter what trials you face, you are all sons and daughters through faith in God's word given to you by the Holy Spirit in your baptism into Christ, the one who promises you surely, I am with you until the end of age. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.